0: Shalom, Shalom. Welcome, welcome, world changers. Tonight we're going to get into Second Samuel. We're going to get First Chronicles uh, chapter seventeen as well. Talk about uh, the uh, the account of Second Samuel about David carrying the Ark of God into Jerusalem and exactly what happened with Uzzah according to Second Samuel. And also we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to read and discuss. Uh, a few of the psalms as well. So another great night of fellowship. I'm on a live podcasting as well on Podbean. So welcome to those of you who are over there as well. In the live chat on YouTube, Kalamentos uh, says shalom everyone, shalom Kalamentos. The Great Deception says shalom everyone, shalom, shalom. Psalm 94 says shalom. Good to see you. welcome, welcome. Mark says, Shalom. All right. And 1 John says, Shalom. Shalom. Welcome. Welcome. Going Nowhere says, What's going on? What's going on? We are reading again from the scriptures, and we are going to be fellowshipping. And uh, in, in the comments, I'll be reading your comments and responding to you what's going on another great night that's what's going on caballero says hello christopher thank you for another day of bible reading thank you for another day of attending and thank you for your your kind comment as well brian says shalom guys shalom brian good to see you good to see you brian gamo good to see you okay hope all is going well with all of you. If you have any prayer requests, feel free to uh, drop them in the live chat, and we will pray um, as as we go along intermittently. So let's begin with 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6, peril in moving the ark. Now, we read this a couple days ago in the uh, First Chronicles version of it. but This is... What second Samuel ha, um, has to say about it. Verse one. Now David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. and David departed from Baali, Baali, Yehuda or Judah, with all the people who were with him, to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord of armies, who is enthroned above the cherubim. They had mounted the Ark of God on a new cart and moved it from from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were leading the new cart. So they brought it with the Ark of God from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Ahio was walking ahead of the ark. Meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments made of juniper wood and with lyres, harps, tambourines, casinets, and cymbals. Uh, Let me just stop here for a second. Notice that Ahio was going ahead. That means that Uzzah was tagging along behind. Verse 6. But when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the Ark of God and took hold of it because the oxen nearly overturned it. And The anger of the Lord burned again uh, against Uzzah and God struck him down there for his irreverence and he died there by the Ark of God. In the footnotes, irreverence here literally the uh, instead of his uh, for the irreverence. I, I kind of like that better, the irreverence as opposed to just his irreverence. As we know that um, reaching out your hand to try to steady the ark of God, especially when you don't when you're not authorized to do so, um, is a great offense. I want to point out something here in Safaria we read a little bit of um, an account second samuel chapter six uh this is okay verse six uh rashi the the commentary from rashi um so verse six says but when they came to the threshing for of nakon reached out for the ark of god and grasped it for the oxen had stumbled um Here in the footnotes, it says the meaning of the Hebrew is uncertain. Now you gotta know it's uncertain when it says in a Jewish website that it's uncertain. You know, these people, if there's anybody who knows the Hebrew, it it would be the Jewish scholars for sure, as they grew up learning it. Rashi says over here on the right hand side, because of his mistake, because mistake, he should have expounded. Hold on a second. I'm a little bit ahead of myself there. Rashi said, because the ox had made it slip, because the ox had made it slip and had shaken it, and so to Yonason's translation, because the ox had made it slip. Like Ankelus translates the verse, and his hand slips on the axe. And his hand slips on the axe. Okay, so the next says the Lord was incensed at Uzzah and God struck him down on the spot for his indiscretion, okay, again here in the footnotes, in the Targum, 1 Chronicles 13.10 reads, because he had laid a hand on the ark. Uh, he died there beside the Ark. Now, Rash says, because of his mistake, because of his mistake, should have expounded uh, for Fetiori as follows. The Ark carried its own porters in the Yardane. Okay. Isn't it all the more so that it is able to carry itself? So, this is the idea. That Uzzah should have had the faith that the ark of God is able to carry itself, or at least that God is able to look after the presence of God being being on it. And so there is an um, again an ancient Jewish uh, tradition that goes like this: when the when the people when the Levites were carrying the ark on the pole, like when. Carrying the ark on their shoulders. Uh, the way they looked at it is, well, it re- wasn't really the Levites that were carrying the Ark. It was the Ark that was carrying the Levites kind of thing. Um, so Uzzah should have had more faith and more reverence, more respect for the presence of God, for the power of God, for the most sacred piece of, of the most sacred relic, I guess you would call it, on the face of this, this earth. So, um, That was his great sin, great disrespect, great disrespect. So going back over to our Bible reading. Verse 8, then David began, became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah. And that place has been called Perez Uzzah to this day. I mean, breakthrough or break outburst against Uzzah. Verse 9, So David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? And David was unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. The ark is brought to Jerusalem verse 12. Now it was reported to King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. So David went and brought the ark of God up from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with joy. And so it was that when those carrying the ark of the Lord marched six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatted steer. And David was dancing before the Lord with all his strength, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with joyful shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Then it happened as the ark of the Lord was coming into the city of David that Michal, the daughter of Shaul, or Saul, Looked down through the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she she was contemptuous of him in her heart. Hmm. Think about this for for a minute here. So David was dancing, leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she, the wife of David, was contemptuous of him in her heart. She didn't look at it from a good, with a good attitude. She's like, oh, look at, look at my husband out there. Look at him making a fool of himself. Look at how he was dancing. Is this how a, a, you know, a respected, a respectable king behaves in front of the entire nation? Dancing, leaping and dancing like, like a fool? Maybe she was talking, maybe she thought something like that. More than likely, the way it talks, the way it sounds, that's how she was thinking. So she was contemptuous of him in her heart. Verse 17 Now they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent which David had pitched for it. And David offered the burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offering and the peace offerings, he blessed the people. In the name of the Lord of armies. Further, he distributed to all the people, to all the multitude of Israel, both to men and women, a cake of bread, one of dates, and one of raisins to each one. Then all the people left, each to his house. David returned to bless his own household, and Michal, the daughter of, of Shaul, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, "How the king of Israel dignified himself today, for he exposed himself today in the sight of his servant, servants' female slaves, as one of the rabble shamelessly expose, exposes himself." But David said to Michal. I was before the Lord, who preferred me to your father and to all his house to appoint me as ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. So I will celebrate before the Lord. And I me—I mean, might demean myself even more than this and be lonely in my own sight. But with the the female slaves of whom you have spoken, with them I am to be held in honor. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. It is very, very important to pay respect, to respect those whom you should respect. Give all respect and honor to whom it is due. It is a serious offense to disrespect. First, we had Uzzah, who disrespected the Lord. Then we had Michal, who disrespected David. And God saw to it that she was childless to the day of her death because of that. You would say, well, that sounds like just one little, you know, maybe she just had a little bit of a, an attitude. Maybe she just needed a little bit of an attitude adjustment. Well, God took it a lot more serious than that. So we need to make sure, we need to be very sure that we have the right attitude when we come, when we approach not only the Lord, his, the scriptures, but each other as well. Going on, moving on to Second Samuel chapter seven. David plans to build a temple. Now it came about when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest on every side from all his enemies, that the king said to the prophet, "See now, I live in a house of cedar, but the ark of God remains within a tent." Nathan said to the king, go do in your mind, for the Lord is with you. But in the same night, the Lord came to Nathan, saying, go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Should you build a, build me a house for my dwelling? For I have not dwelt in a house since the day I brought up the sons of Israel from Egypt, even to this day. Rather, I have been moving a tent, that is, in a dwelling place, a sukkah. Wherever I have gone with the sons of Israel did I speak a word with the ones with ones of the tribe of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel saying why have you not built me a house of cedar Now then this is what you shall say to my servant David This is what the Lord of armies says I myself took you from the pasture from following the sheep, to be leader over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have eliminated all your enemies from you. I will also make a great name for you, like the names of the great men who are on the earth. And I will establish a place for my people Israel, and I and will plant them so that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again nor will malicious people oppress them any more, as previously. Even from the day that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. When your days are finished and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you, Who will come from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne, his kingdom, forever. I will be a father to him, and he shall he will be my he a son to me. When he does wrong, I will discipline him with a rod of men, and with strokes of sons of mankind but my favor shall not depart from him as i took it away from saul whom i removed from you your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever your throne shall be established forever in accordance with all these words and all this and all of this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Now, this is very, very interesting. Let me just say this. This is very, very interesting. Because this is another little factoid that blows a hole into (laughs) a little bit more of the traditionally accepted doctrine. Let me explain. Um, let me just pull up a scripture before I get it. Before I jump in, jump into. Fasten your seatbelts, everyone. Um. Now, let me just say, this is something you will never hear in in church. The modern Christian pastor or evangelist will not point this out. The almost, uh, I don't know of any Christian at all that does not identify this descendant that they prophesy here as being Yeshua, right? They all would tell you that the son of David is Yeshua, right? So this particular prophecy is very, very powerful and important because we ha- this is where we get the idea of the Messiah being the quote unquote son of David. this is why we have to stop here for for a minute with this. This is where it all boils down to, okay? So there's two names, basically, actually more than two names. But there's like the the son of David is one name, as we read in the Gospels, and the son of Adam, or the son of man, I should say. Ben-Adam, the son of man is another one. So the son of man is speaking of the prophecy, uh, the Messianic prophecy prophecy so to speak uh we read in genesis that the um the seed of adam will crush the serpent's head and the serpent will will strike his heel so to speak okay so that's where the son the, the term son of man comes from son of man being a very literal translation of ben adam son of adam adam's seed basically this is this is uh so when they called Jesus, the Son of Man. Or when Jesus Yeshua called himself the Son of Man, he was basically saying, "I am the seed that will crush the serpent's head. I, I, will, I am the seed of Adam, the Son of a Son of Man." But this this passage here is so integral because this is the passage that it that uh, is the foundation of that phrase, "Son of David," the Son of David. This is so powerful. and It's so meaty. I'm not sure if I, maybe I should read, you know what, I'll, I'll read this paragraph one time because there's so much meat in here. And considering what I said, think about this for a minute. How does, what it, what is said about the son of David here? Let me give you a little hint. Does it say, there's a question, a question. Does it say that the son of David will be a hundred percent perfect in all that he does, that he will never ever do anything that is wrong? Just follow me now. I'm what I'm doing is I am showing you some. I'm, we're reading this right from the scriptures, right from this. No, there will be a few of you that are listening to this that might go, oh, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Okay. Back to the scriptures, back to the scriptures. Here we go again. Verse eight, second Samuel chapter five, verse, or excuse me. Second Samuel chapter seven, verse eight. Now then this is what the Lord, this is what you shall say to my servant David. So God is speaking to Ethan the prophet quote, this is what the Lord of armies says: I myself took you, this is God talking to David now through, through Nathan. I myself took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be leader over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have eliminated all your enemies from you. I will also make a like the names of the great men who are on the earth. And I will assign a place for my people Israel and will place them so that they may live in their own place and not, not be disturbed again, nor will just people oppress them any more as previously, even, even from the day that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you, so this word here house means basically means family okay uh, a house as for me and my house we will serve the lord basically family okay this is what it's talking about not necessarily a you know a brick and mortar kind of a building it's talking about a family now so the lord declares to you that the lord will make a family for you basically make descendants for you make us for you verse 12 when your days are finished and you lie down with your fathers, okay. Basically, when you when you breathe your last and you're buried, I will raise up your descendant. Now, everyone I know of knows they would say this is this is talking about Jesus, descendant, um, seed, literally seed. Okay, the seed of David, the son of David, who will come from you. In other words, the son of, uh, the Messiah had to have been a descendant of David. And and I will establish his kingdom, and he, and, and he shall build a house for my name, a family for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So I can hear all Christians just cheering, saying, yay, hallelujah, yes, amen to that. Verse 14. I will be a father to him. Yes, Jesus called him uh, father. Jesus called the Lord father all the time. And he will be a son to me. When he does wrong, when he, not if, when he does wrong, I will discipline him with a rod of men and with strokes of sons of mankind. But my favor shall not depart from him as I as I away from Saul, whom I remove from you. Now, I know, and I can just hear it coming. I know, I know there'll be there'll be people because you see, you can talk around anything, you can explain away everything. We don't want to explain away things. We don't want to talk around things. We don't want to beat around the bush. We don't we don't want to go yeah but yeah but what it says but it but doesn't really mean that. Well, you know, the, forget it. We want we want the clear truth here. You read the the Psalms. Where in many places it's speaking in first person. We read about you know Psalm twenty two the other day, first person. According to Christian theology, according to every church leader I have ever heard teach, Psalm twenty two, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And according to the, the, the New Testament, that's that's Yeshua himself speaking first person. And you and we'll we'll read this all the way through the Book of Psalms, okay? Where Yeshua is speaking first person, but there are times when it talks about things that doesn't necessarily match up to Christian theology in regards to how Yeshua uh, in Christian theology he was perfect from birth, and I'm sure a lot of you guys would think, well, did he never, when he was a toddler? Did he never get a bruise or scratch or you know? Did he never um, pronounce a word wrong as he was learning to speak? Or did he have to learn to speak? I mean, all of these questions. When he was born, did he know how to walk? Did he know how to talk? D- did he have, I mean, or did he, was he perfect in knowledge? Or did he have to learn? And if he had to learn, that means there would be mistakes as he went. That's what learning is all about. If you have to learn how to walk, that means you don't know how to walk perfectly. That means you have to learn how to walk right. Okay, it's simple, simple. But I can just hear the Paulians, and I can just hear the Christians beating around the yeah, but you forget about. It. You can explain anything away. You can you can explain anything away. We don't want to do that. We want down to earth clear truth here now it says here when he does wrong discipline him with a with a rod of men and with strokes of the sons of men we know that the last half of that of that sentence i will discipline or at least he he was struck with a rod and with the strokes of mankind sure he was he was greatly yeshua okay but every christian i know of leaves this out now here's the here's a thing as, as well, and I, again, please spare yourself and spare everyone else of trying to talk around this. But Hebrews chapter five, verse seven gives us another little glimpse into this kind of factoid that I'm bringing out to you guys. Hebrews seven, Hebrews chapter five, verse seven. During the days of his life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. You know, apparently he, in and of himself, and don't don't get me wrong, I'm saying in and of himself, apparently he did not have the power in and of himself to to save himself from death, or else he wouldn't be crying with fervent prayers and and uh, and you know tears and petitions. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience. What does that mean? That means at first he wasn't obedient. He learned obedience from what he suffered. And, and once made perfect, once made perfect, that implies that he wasn't perfect all the time. Like, there was a point in time when he wasn't, and then he was made perfect. There was a point in time when he had to learn obedience. As, it, as the whole prophecy of the Son of David talks about in Second Samuel chapter 7, It says, when he does wrong, he will be disciplined. We know he was, we know he got the rod for sure. Okay, that's very clear. Now again, I know I can. I can just hear the. I can just hear the the the, uh, the gears grinding right now, like trying to trying to think of a way to weigh around what I'm what I'm just. I'm just reading the scriptures here. I'm just showing to you what it says. Forget about again. Forget about the modern day corrupt Christian narrative. If people actually, if people actually question and test the modern corrupt Christian narrative that they've bought into, as much as they test me, then they'll find the truth. If they question and test the modern Christian narrative that they have believed all of their life, as much as, quest- as, much as they question me and test me, then they will find the truth. 16 of 2 Samuel chapter 7, your house and Your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. Again, you know, the Christians would say, Amen to this. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. But then they dance around this. They yeah, but that, but they don't yeah, but this. Verse 17. In accordance with all these words and all of this vision, So Nathan spoke to David. David's prayer. Then David, the king, came in and sat before the Lord. And he said, Who am I, Lord God? And who are the members of my household that you have brought me this far? And yet this was insignificant in your eyes, Lord God. For you have spoken also of the house of yours regarding the distant future see he knew it wasn't anything near his day and age he knew it was well you know is you know saying it was it, talking about yeshua this would have been a thousand years removed from him in the distant future and this is the of mankind lord god and what more can david say to you for you know your servant, Lord God, for the sake of your word, and according to your heart, you have done all this greatness to let your servant know. For this reason, you are great, Lord God, for there is no one like you, and there is no God except you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation on earth, like your people, Israel, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, and to make a name for himself, and to do a great thing for you, and awesome things for your for your land, because of your people whom you have redeemed for yourself from Egypt, from other nations and gods. For you have established for yourself your people. Israel, as your own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. Now then, Lord God, the word that you have spoken about your servant and his house, confirm it forever and do just as you have spoken, so that your name may be great forever by saying the Lord of armies is God over Israel. And may the house of your servant, David, be established before you. For you, Lord of armies, God of Israel, have given a revelation to your servant saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Now then, you are God and your words are truth. Isn't that awesome? Now then, Lord God, Adonai, yod Hey Wow Hey, you are God. You are God. You are Elohim. And your words are truth. And you have promised this good thing to your servant. And now, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. For you, Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing, may the house of your servant be blessed forever. Vida says, Shalom, Shalom, welcome, good to see you, Elohim bless you all, Elohim bless you more, Vida, Elohim bless you more. All right, let's continue with 1 Chronicles chapter 17, we'll get get through some of the uh, Psalms as well. Um, just to get this stuff down first, and then we'll get to your, your comments. First Chronicles chapter 17, And it came to pass, as David dwelt in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under curtains of skins. And Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God's with you. And it passed that in that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and say to David, my servant, thus said the Lord, You shall not build me a house for me to dwell in it, for I have not house from the day that I brought up Israel unto this day but I have been a and a tent in all places through which I have gone with all Israel. Did I ever speak to any one tribe of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people saying, why is it that you have not built me a house of cedar? Notice. Let me just, let me just stop here. Notice how God appeals to the of omission. Okay. It's like, I didn't say this. Notice I never asked for that. So why do you want me? Why do you want to do this for me? And this is how we should read the scriptures. We should always read it like, okay, what did did God say? What did God not say? Very important. A lot of people read into, uh, read a lot of things into the scriptures that it doesn't say. What does God say? What does God not say? As I've said before, we should, we should major on the majors and minor on the minors. The things that God makes very clear throughout all of Scripture, we should make clear and prompt in our lives. The things that God has hid in Scripture, we should hide. So to I mean, at least not make it a big deal in your life. If God only said, maybe, you know, kind of hinted at it once or twice over the over a period of 2,500s, then guess what? Perhaps it may not be that important. But the things that are very important, of course, the things that, for example, this is just an example. All the way through Scripture, we read on how important it is to obey. Obey is better than sacrifice important it is to repent, to walk in repentance, how important it is to be humble, how important it is to listen and to learn. Like these things that we read throughout the scriptures in the lives of many, we read about it in the the lives of many people from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. Do not be deceived there are a lot of people i've i I see it more and more as time goes on where people just point out a little scripture here they 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 oh they they grab a bible and they they turn the page and they highlight one little passage here and then you know 50 years later they highlight it and say oh look at this is that And okay then they make a big deal of it this is you know it's like second like as a parent and if you want if you have an important Like the most important thing you want your child to know, wouldn't you tell your child clearly? You wouldn't tell your child through cryptic language, through cryptic language over a period of 1500 years of trying to piece together this particular concept, abstract concept with that and forget it. A lot of people don't see the trees for the forest. A lot of people don't see the forest for the trees. And get so focused on something. We need to make sure that whatever God makes prominent, we should make prominent. Whatever God makes, uh, doesn't say a whole lot about, eh, you know what? Why should we say a whole lot about it? Okay, let's get on here. This is First Chronicles chapter seven. Again, God appeals to the law of omission. Hey, I didn't ask for it. Why, you know, out of all the things that I've, you know, I've spoken to you guys since Adam, since the day of Adam, the days of Adam and Eve. I've spoken to to mankind. I've never said build me a house of cedar. Why do you want me to? Why do you want me? Why do you want to build a house of cedar for me? I've never mentioned that. So again, what did God say as opposed to what did God not say? We should always ask those questions. Verse 7. And now, thus shall you say, this is a Septuagint now, shall thou say to my servant David, thus saith the Lord Almighty, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the flocks, be a ruler over my people Israel. And I was with you in all places wherever you went. And I destroyed all your enemies from before you. And I made for you a name according to the name of the great ones that are upon the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant him. And he shall dwell by himself and shall no longer be anxious. And the son of iniquity shall no longer afflict him as at the beginning. And from the days when I appointed judges over my people Israel, I have humbled all your enemies, and I will increase you, and the Lord will build you a house. And it shall come to pass, when your days shall be fulfilled, that you shall sleep with your fathers, and I will raise up your seed after you. I will raise up your seed after you, which shall be of, of your bowels, and they come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build me a house, and I will set up his throne forever. And I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And my mercy I will not withdraw from him, as I withdrew it from them that were before you. And I will establish him in my house and in his kingdom forever. And his throne shall be set up forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so spoke Nathan to David. And King David came and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have loved me forever? And these things were little in your sight, O God. You have also spoken concerning the house of your servant for a long time to come. And you have looked upon me as a man looks upon his fellow and has exalted me and have exalted me. O Lord God, what shall David do more towards you to glorify you? And you know your servant. And you you have wrought all this greatness according to your heart. O Lord, there is none like you. There is no God beside you, according to all things which we have heard with our ears. Neither is there another nation upon the earth such as your people Israel, whereas God led led him in the way to redeem a people for himself, to make for himself a great and glorious name, to cast out nations from before your people whom you redeem. You redeemed out of it out of Egypt. And you have appointed your people Israel as a people to yourself forever. And you, Lord, did come and become a God to them. And now, Lord, let the word which you spoke to your servant and concerning his house be confirmed forever. And do you as you and do as you have spoken and let your name be established and magnified forever men saying lord lord almighty god of israel let the house of your servant david be established before you for you o lord my god have revealed to the ear of your servant that you will build him a house therefore my servant has found a willingness willingness to pray before you and now lord You yourself are God, and you have spoken these good things concerning your servant. And now you have begun to bless the house of your servant so that it should continue forever before you. For you, Lord, have blessed it and do bless it forever. Yes, and we will get into some of the Psalms here. Psalms. All right. So, have you guys ever read the Psalms through, as if reading it, hearing it as like it is the word of of Yeshua to you, like or the word of Yeshua, the word that Yeshua is actually speaking. Um, just a second here. This thing has given me a little bit of um. Okay, just a second. If it's true, you see it so much, uh, because like the Psalms are the Word of God, right? And and according to um according to uh the the uh writings of the new testament the yeshua is also the word of god in, in human form so the psalms actually speak of, of yeshua you want to ask a question like what would like uh, you, have you ever thought to yourself don't you wish like like i wish that uh, we had more of the writings of how you know what yeshua actually taught or what he said what you know that kind of thing We actually do. It's in the Psalms. In the the book of John, it says that, uh, actually it's twice, that um, if everything was written down, if everything that Yeshua said and everything that he did, if it was all written down, the world itself would not be able to contain the books. But again, I believe that we do have um, some of it in the book of Psalms, at least. Okay, so this is Psalm 25. Psalm of David to you, Lord, I lift up my soul, my God in you, I trust. Do not let me be ashamed, Do not let me rejoice over me. Indeed, none of me who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. Make me know your ways, Lord, teach me your, your paths lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the god of my salvation for you i wait all the day lord your compassion and your faithfulness for they have been from of old do not remember the sins of my youth or my wrongdoings again Remember me according to your faithfulness, for your goodness sake, Lord. The Lord is good and upright. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way, leads the humble in justice. He teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are faithfulness and truth to those who comply with his covenant and his testimonies. For the sake of your name, forgive my wrongdoing, for it is great. Who is the person who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he he should choose. His soul will dwell in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he will make them know My eyes are continually toward the Lord for he will rescue my feet from the turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Look at my misery and trouble and forgive all my sins. Look at my enemies for they are many. And they hate me without with violent hatred. Right? Again, this is really fits very well the life of Yeshua. Remember, he said in John 7, 7 that the world hates him. The world hates him. Why? He even told you why in John 7, 7. Because he testifies that their deeds are evil. Verse 20. Guard my soul and save me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I am. Take refuge in you. Let my integrity and my uprightness protect me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, redeem Israel, God, for all his, all his distress. Okay. Next, next Psalm is Psalm twenty-nine. The voice of the Lord in the storm, the so- a psalm of David. Love this. This is a great psalm. Ascribe to the Lord, sons of the mighty. In the um footnote, sons of gods. Ascribe to glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Again, in the splendor of holiness, as it says in other translations. The voice of the Lord is on the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic the voice of the lord breaks the cedars by the way the cedars are huge huge trees like they're like they're like monster trees okay the voice of the lord breaks the cedars yes the the lord breaks the cedars of lebanon in pieces have you ever seen pictures of those the cedars of Lebanon or the trees that are just so big and mighty? Yeah, the cedars of Lebanon here, again, you can't really see a whole lot, but um, in these pictures, here, cedars of Lebanon, just great, um, majestic trees. Verse 6, this is Psalm 29, verse 6. makes Lebanon skip like a calf and sear wild ox, The voice of the Lord divides flames of fire. Lightning in the footnotes. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. In the footnotes, causes wilderness to whirl, to whirl. The voice of the Lord, the, the, the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord keeps the deer. Or excuse me, makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everything says glory. The Lord sat as king in the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Psalm 33. Praise to the Creator and Protector. Sing for joy in the Lord, you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. And the guitar and bass there, ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all the their lights he gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap he puts the deep the depths in houses let all the earth fear the lord let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him for he spoke and it was done he commanded and it stood firm the lord nullifies the plan of nations the plan of the gentiles the goy He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The plan of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of mankind. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all. He who understands all their works. The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not rescued by great strength. A horse is a false hope for for victory. Nor does it rescue anyone by its strength. Behold. The eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. Notice there's a condition here. The eye of the Lord is, it doesn't say on everybody. Again, we got to ask a question what, is it, what, is the, what does it say here? What does it not say? What do the scriptures say? What do the scriptures not say? Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him on those who wait for his faithfulness to rescue their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our, our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your favor, Lord, be upon us just as we have waited for you. Psalm thirty-six. Wicks of humility and goodness, or not humility, excuse me, humanity, wickedness of humanity and goodness of God. For the music director, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, wrongdoing speaks to the ungodly within his heart. There is no fear of God for his eyes. Notice, notice, how much, no, notice how often it talks about the value of the fear of God. We need to really, really fear God. Verse 2, For it flatters him in his own eyes. What flatters him? The wrongdoing that he, that, that, a, um, that the ungodly think about doing with their own hearts. It flatters him in their own eyes concerning the discovery of his wrongful deed and the hatred of it. The words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. He ceased to be wise and to do good. He plans wickedness on his bed. He sets himself on a path that is not good. He does not reject evil. Your mercy, Lord, extends to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. or mighty mountains, mighty mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. Lord, you protect mankind and animals. How precious is your mercy, God. And of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They drink their fill of the abundance of your house and you allow them to drink from the river of your delights. For the fountain of life is with you, in your light. light. Prolong your mercy to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright of heart. May the foot of pride not come upon me. Hmm. May the foot of pride not come upon me. Let me not be under the foot of someone who is proud. And may the hand of the wicked not drive me away. Those who do injustice have fallen there. They have been down and cannot rise. Psalm 39. The futility of life. For the music director, for Jeduthun or Yaduthun, a Psalm of David, I said, I will keep watch over my ways so that I do not sin with my tongue. Very important. Very, very important. Remember what it says in, the, in James. Keep your tongue. Your tongue is a world of iniquity and evil. Keep your tongue. I will keep watch over my mouth as with a muzzle while the wicked are in my presence i was mute and silent i refused to say even something good pain was stirred up my heart was hot within me while i was musing the fire burned then i spoke with my tongue lord let me know my end and what is the extent of my days let me know how transient i am Behold, you have made my days like hand widths, short, and my lifetime is nothing in your sight. Certainly all mankind standing is is a mere breath, Selah, altogether breath. Certainly every person walks around as a fleeting shadow. Isn't that true? I mean, people come and people go so fast, I tell you. They certainly make an uproar for nothing. He amasses riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Save me from all my wrongdoings. Do not make me an object of reproach for the foolish. I have become mute. I do open my mouth. Because it is you who have, who have. Remove your plague from me because of the oppression of your hand. I am, I am perishing with rebukes. You punish a person for wrongdoing. You consume like a moth. What is precious to him. Certainly, all mankind is a mere breath. Selah. Very, again, very similar to um, James, where it talks about life is like a vapor. It appears just for a moment, and then it disappears. Hear my prayer, Lord, and listen to, th- to my cry for help. Do not violent to my tears, for I am a stranger with you. One who broad, like all my fathers. Excuse me. For I am a stranger with you, one who lives abroad like all my fathers. Turn your eyes away from me that I may become cheerful again before I depart and am no more. Okay. So let me just see what we have. Again, those of you who, if you've, have anything in the live chat you want to bring to my attention specifically make sure you put at christopher in the live chat one john asked a question when did the reign of levites end and the rabbis take over um very, very good question the Levites, the reign of the Levites never really did end. It's just that when the um, the destruction of the temple happened, uh, basically they were they were without a job, basically, except perhaps again. I keep on referring to the the Levite that uh, or the Levites that they uh, they claim are Levites uh, that are looking after the Ark uh, of the Covenant in Aksum, Ethiopia, right now. Uh, I mean, they're still. In charge, they're still reigning in, 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 you know, matter, uh, you know, given them, given that what they say is is true, um, yeah. So uh, the Levites never really did, and the rain never really did end. It, it's just that um, after the dis- the the destruction of the temple, really, they didn't really have anything to do, and so uh, yeah, so the rabbis basically became more prominent. Uh, for that matter. Very good question. Okay, so Going Nowhere says, speaking of arcs, ever wonder what became of Noah's Ark if you believe that to be a literal story? Um, I do not believe that it somehow just fossilized. I, I uh, you know, we have... People like Wyatt or other people that may that may claim to have found. By the way, Wyatt's Noah's Ark is not even the the right dimension or size, shape, or anything. I mean, just (laughs) I don't know. People again, if people test other people as much as they test me, then then they will they'll actually find the truth. And if you test that, I guarantee you, it's not the truth. Uh, So I, I don't think that Noah's Ark just sat there and fossilized um because of it being such such a very important relic i mean uh nobody knows for sure what happened to it wood doesn't necessarily last very long you know especially when if it's in a moist or wet environment again i keep on thinking about the the titanic the great stair the grand staircase of the titanic um you know I'm not sure what kind of wood it was made out of, but probably a very good hardwood. And it should have lasted, but the grand staircase of the Titanic as well just disappeared. Probably just got eaten up by, you know, wild sea life and bacteria and broken up into, you know, um, literally, uh, figuratively a million pieces and just went all over everywhere. Um, It's like the cross, whatever happened to the cross. Another good question. Now, I do understand that the Church of the the, the Resurrection, or the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, I believe it is, in Israel today, they claim to have a piece of the original, the cross that Yeshua was crucified on. Um, which very well could be. It very well could be. I'm not doubting that. Because I don't know. I don't. I don't see any. You know, it's hard to say because they have it locked up you know they have it locked up you can actually see a video of it when they like they have taken it out every once in a while and it's not a very big piece it's just like a little little piece of wood very very small and i think that um like a little piece of i don't know just like a little what would you call it what do you call it what the carpenters use just to kind of fill in the cracks every so it's just like a little piece of wood I don't know, about half the size of a pen. Um, Why would it be so small? Well, it could have been because there were, you know, thousands of people that broke it all up, you know, in many pieces. I'll have my piece of the cross. You have your piece of the cross. It's like how they do, like how they did with uh, different um, things, even in the past century, you know, like the the pieces of the Berlin Wall or something like that, like just out of cure, like just, for the sake of, you know, talking about it. Um, but the piece of, like, Noah's Ark would be the same thing as well. I would imagine that a lot of people would have been after it. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have survived very long. A lot of people would have been after it. To keep their piece of history right definitely they wouldn't just leave it there oh yeah there's just no that's that saved mankind you know well i'll just leave it there and let it just fossilize no i'm pretty sure everybody went and got their piece of it and uh it just got lost over time perhaps there is somebody somewhere that has a piece of it or some people that have pieces of it um perhaps um that they're not telling anybody like i said before Before I think if if I had a relic like that, I, I don't think I'd be telling anybody either. Uh, I wouldn't want anybody, uh, I wouldn't want anybody knowing if I had a valuable, uh, relic like that, um, unless it was under some really good lock and, you know, under a good lock and key. But, um, yeah, so I think that, um, that it, I think that it, what, it wouldn't be long before it was broken all up and shared amongst all of the people and, you know, as a, heirloom and as a you know a piece of history and then it just eventually got lost that that's my um that's my estimation of what happened to it very good question going nowhere will senior revelation eleven nineteen is this the same covenant that was on earth um I want to make sure that I address this. Okay. Uh, Le- Revelation eleven nineteen, and the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple, and there w- were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, earthquake and, gr- and a great hailstorm. No, I don't believe so. I don't believe this would be the same ark of the covenant because it w- wasn't the same temple. Uh remember that I mean it talks about more than the, the ark of the covenant here, right? It talks about the whole temple which would m- imply that all of the furnishings of the temple are there too or else it wouldn't be it wouldn't be it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be uh it wouldn't be complete with the without everything that the temple. The thing is this, right? In um Moses went up the mount, and it says that he was shown a quote-unquote pattern, and he was supposed to build here on earth according to the pattern that he saw in heaven. So, I do believe there there is the temple of God in heaven with the Ark of the Covenant in heaven and uh, all of its furnishings in heaven. And that's, that's how Moses knew, you know, what to like, what to build, Um, you know, what it looked like, Uh, you know, so basically Moses just built a clone of what is already in heaven. So even if, even if, the Ark of the Covenant, Moses' Ark of the Covenant, is in Ethiopia today. If that's the truth, then that would still be a clone of what's in heaven. I don't think that God would take the temple and all of its furnishings, including the Ark of the Covenant, out of heaven, just to, you know, because it, it, first of all, it doesn't say that in the scripture. Second of all, I think it's pretty clear God showed him the blueprint so to speak the pattern basically showed him the you know this is this is what i want you to build you know took him basically to heaven or spiritually give him a vision revelation and so he's like okay you know i remember this is how the 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 temple looked this is how you know the um altar of incense the lampstand the ark of the covenant looked and all that kind of thing so no i don't believe that that ark of the covenant that is talking about in revelation chapter 11 ever left heaven um i think it's a permanent forever deal and i think that what happened what what moses built on earth is uh was a uh, clone of that another very good question thank you will And Shalom, by the way. Well, Shalom. Good to see you. Welcome. Going to ask the question: Do you believe that God has guardian angels assigned to particular people? Yes, it says that, right? It says that, um, uh, especially to those who would inherit salvation. Right? He gives uh, his angels charge over them. Uh, I do not. I would not say. That he's got guardian angels over everybody? Like all of everybody who's alive? Like the scriptures are clear. Again, there's a specific group of people that angels are assigned to. And if I did not answer a question uh, that, you would, that you would like me to answer, um, let's put at Christopher there. Okay, going nowhere. Uh, I, actually, you didn't put at Christopher on this one, but I, I caught this. Um, and I would have I would have prayed if I saw that at Christopher on it earlier, but yeah, let's pray. Um, so going nowhere says, my grandmother needs prayers. She has a bit of a bug right now. If you could pray for her to get uh, well soon, I would appreciate it. Yes, we can definitely do that. Okay, let's, uh, everyone, we should pray for going nowhere's grandmother father father we thank you again for your blessings thank you again for for this night for this fellowship thank you for your presence for your glory thank you father for showing us what you have shown us thank you father for the scriptures that we are privileged enough and blessed enough and we're worthy enough to even have the scriptures to read So, Father, we ask you that you would just have mercy upon us. And especially, Father, have mercy upon this grandmother right now, Father. Have mercy upon this grandmother. Let her get well soon. Let her be healthy and get over over this bug that she has right now. Give her strength. Give her strength. Give her strength. Thank you, Father. And we just, in the name of Yeshua, we forbid any of these, whatever germs, they, if it's bacteria or virus, that it will, that we forbid it to multiply. We forbid it to increase in her body from this time forward. In the name of Yeshua of Nazareth. Amen and amen. Everyone said amen. Will says, uh, gotcha, brother. That took me back a bit. Okay. All right. Thank you for asking. Very good questions. Okay. So, Vita says, Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Okay. So, um, tomorrow we're going to continue with our reading. On Friday, we have a special day, as I'm sure most of you know. um Let's start up with tomorrow first. Tomorrow, we're going to be reading. We're going to. St- Pick up where we left off today. We're going to read a little bit more of 2 Samuel. We're going to read 1 uh, Chronicles chapter 18 and four more psalms. Again, we'll be going through some of, uh, uh, and again, if you've got any prayer requests or uh, questions, um, as always, you're welcome uh, to drop them in the live chat. And on Friday, we Snyder coming back. And he was again, um, and he wants to finish up talking about uh, what he uh, has uh, to share about uh, Paul and about the martyrdom of James. So he wants to talk about those two things. Um, so Will Will uh, from Sheepdog Ministries will be with us. Will Davis will be with us. I'll be there, obviously, and um, Doctor Snyder. will share. The format tonight what i'll do is i'll dr snyder take basically right from right from like 7 p.m eastern I'll just, right up front i'll just give him the floor and just let him uh let him have as much time as he needs to uh to present what he wants to present and then we can get into the questions and comments and stuff after that and will davis will be there as well and i'm sure he's got some things to share and some Uh, comments, and maybe questions as well. So that's going to be an awesome night of fellowship. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Shabbat, as always, uh, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Lord willing, we'll be back then and and, uh, fellowshipping then as well. And so looking forward to all that. And once more, again, uh, Onia has got a massive project on the go. Um, He's going to be, again, Lord, lord willing this coming july the mid of around a week or so okay mid july uh he'll be presenting his um i guess you would say his version of the book of esther um it is an amazing work he is he gave me a little sneak peek into what's going on there it's absolutely amazing um you know, he takes from the Masoretic, he takes from the Septuagint, he takes from the Dead Sea Scrolls, he takes from the um, um, the, the Peshers pa, the pas, pas, uh, and the uh, several different texts. And he puts them all together line by line. And uh, we got lots to do. We got lots to go through when it comes to the book of Esther, because we got the book of Esther, which is the Hebrew um, book of Esther. And then there's the Greek form of the book of Esther, which actually has a lot more than the Hebrew has. And uh, many people believe that it is the lost portions of the book of Esther. We're going to deal with all that stuff this coming July, Lord willing. Before that, next month, approximately two or three weeks, O'Neill will be with us again. And he will be talking about another very good, um, another very uh um, subject, and that is, Corruptions in the manuscripts. Very important for us to know that. I mean, as we go through life and as we talk to people about the Lord, about God, I'm sure you're going to come across people who are going to bring up the subject of corruptions of the script of the scriptures or corruptions of the manuscripts. And so, Oni is going to be with us again, uh, two or three weeks from, from approximately in the middle of April perhaps um, yeah mid-april uh, talking about the um, some of those corruptions what's good about this when we know that it's corrupted that means that we know what the right you know when we know when we have uh, evidence that for example we got four manuscripts you know ABC know that a B is corrupted and D is corrupted we know that C Is not. And you know, we have we have evidence that it's not because of historical findings and so on and so forth. We'll go through all that kind of stuff with Oneia. Um, and uh yeah, so that's going to be very, very interesting and very important to talk about. I don't think it's very wise to deny uh these things in scripture. I think it's important for us to, to know it well and uh and to and to address it and to have a a good head on your shoulders, level, um, down to earth, and uh, talk about it as it really is. Again, we don't want to be defending our doctrine if it's not, if it doesn't stand up against truth. We want truth, no matter what. We want, you know, if if logic or reason or truth seems to point a different way, we'll go that way. And that's just the way. That's that's just our philosophy, right? Because you know we've all heard so many different things that are not true, and we've all believed things that are not true. Let's just be honest. We've all believed things that are not true, but we're on the quest to be humble, careful, and to look at things for what they really are. Not to deny what's right before our eyes. I mean, you can anybody, and they do. People do. People walk in denial. They live in denial. They live a lie. Many people do. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians do. And so, I think it's not, I think it's very important not to do that. It just discredits us. We don't want to be discredited. We want to have a lot of credibility. World. Amen. Amen. And the more knowledge we get, the more credibility we have. As long as we accept that knowledge and uh, if it's the truth, and go with it even if it hurts. Amen. Caballero says, thank you. It was an interesting reading. First Chronicles. Yes. Thank you very much. Caballero. One John says, um, thank you and good night. Thank you. Good night as well. Always good to see you You guys are awesome. So as always, we'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing, same time, same place, 7 p.m. Eastern. Going Nowhere says, thank you for praying for my grandmother. God bless you and a good night. Yes, and please um, keep me up to date as to what's going on there. Let me know how she's doing. Okay. Um, I mean, if she's not any better, we want to pray some. Okay, so just just make sure you let us know. Um, Keep us in the know. Okay, guys, as always, you guys are awesome. Love you guys. You guys are world changers. I appreciate every one of you. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your comments. Thank you for your fellowship. You guys are awesome. I'll see you again tomorrow night. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow night.